You're listening to a sermon from Covenant Church. And love that, and they serve our church. So I invite you to turn to, to Luke 1. It's page 856 in the Bibles under the chairs. And by the way, you're allowed to have one of those Bibles. It's actually page 856. Page 856, Luke 1. And I want to begin with this question. How big is Jesus to you? Someone asked you that. How big is Jesus to you? Some people would be like, hey, I'm actually not religious at all. I'm not spiritual. I don't know anything about Christianity or, you know, I'm not into it. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's true. Maybe a step up from that would be, hey, I I believe Jesus was a gifted teacher. I believe he was a good man. I I can give you that. I believe he was a, uh, a wise person, a noted historical figure. It sounds like you know, someone gave that person 10 bucks to try your best to give this person a compliment. Maybe that's where you're at. There's other people, think, and think about this, if you read Google reviews when you're choosing a restaurant or you're in a new town, hey, where should I get tacos? Look on Yelp. There have been billions of these reviews, billions of people who would say, Jesus is huge to me. Jesus is everything to me. Jesus is God to me. Jesus is not just a savior, he's my savior. Billions of people have believed that, do believe that. We're gonna look at a passage where, uh, and I wanna present this to you at the beginning, and then we're gonna look at it at the end, where how big Jesus is to you is related to the size of your joy. And actually, the bigger vision you get of Jesus, the deeper your joy goes. The more Jesus becomes to you, the more you actually see him for who he is. The claim of the gospel, and gospel just means good news, the claim of the gospel is that the bigger Jesus is to you, the deeper your joy goes. We're in a series called Unexpected Christmas. And these surprises have been happening. We're going to see three surprises in this section. We're still early on in Luke. Luke, the doctor who wrote the orderly account. Three surprises in this unexpected Christmas. And then we're going to just take a step back. How do we get this joy? How do we grow in joy? How do we get this vision of Jesus? All right, so let's dive in. Listen to God's word. Luke 1 starting with verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is God's word. Pause here. First surprise of this unexpected Christmas, Mary's surprise visit. And let's just rewind the tape for a second. An angel named Gabriel has appeared with Mary, said, you have found favor with God. The Lord is with you. You can conceive and bear a son. And she says, how? And he's like, it's from the Holy Spirit. 
So you were going to have this supernatural miracle baby. His name's going to be Jesus. And she doesn't ask for a sign. She gets a sign. And the angel says, this is the sign. Your relative in her old age is now pregnant. She who was called barren is now six months pregnant. She wasn't, she didn't ask for a sign, but she's given a sign. And the angel Gabriel said, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So she's gone as quick as she could uh, to go see the sign. And this is actually a big deal. This is a distance of about 70 miles. And this is a time in the world where typically everyone stays near their house, near their home, with their family, with their clan, especially a young woman traveling alone to go 70 miles uh, and just, so she is motivated. She wants to make this happen. And let's not miss the fact she's acting in faith. What do you do when you get a sign from God? You look at it. What do you do when God says, hey, and this Hey, look at this so you may know. She goes to see. This was a cool thing that she did. What do you do when you get a sign? You look at it. And so in faith, she goes and visits Elizabeth. Okay, if you were told, hey, you got this letter. This is going to change your life. Good news is coming a letter. Here it is. Your life is different now. Would you stick that in a stack of envelopes and put it in the closet? You know, just someday I'd like to get to that. It'd be kind of neat to explore what that is. No, the right thing would be to do is to rip open the letter, to look at it. My point is this. There's some urgency to spiritual inquiry. Um, one, people that know basketball know about full court press. Full court press is the, the defense that's constant pressure. One way that I try to helpfully do full court press with people who are doing some spiritual, hey, can I press you on this? Have some spiritual urgency. There's a lot of people who are like, you know what, I'd love to, hey, would you like to know more about Jesus? I would love to know more, more about Jesus. Would you love to actually dive deep into your spiritual curiosity and questions and see what spiritual re reality is there? Once in a while, the spiritual world po pokes out and you'll acknowledge it. Yeah, that's a thing. That might exist. There's probably God and stuff. How about some urgency to find out what's there? C.S. Lewis is this, he was a brilliant thinker. He has a fascinating story. He became an adult convert. And like very begrudgingly, he was like, I was the most miserable new Christian in the world. And the, the account of his becoming a Christian, uh, he named the book Surprised by Joy. Because he's surprised by joy at the end. But he was a brilliant thinker. And in, a, in an essay that he wrote in 1963, he talks about how easy it is to avoid. Okay, Mary goes with haste, dives in. Let's see what this is. It's easy to do the opposite. He talks about avoiding God. In our own time and place, avoiding God is extremely easy. Avoid silence, avoid solitude. Avoid any train of thought that leads off the beaten track. Concentrate on money, sex, status, health, and above all, your own grievances. Think about what he would say about social media. 
status, cool, do this, that's awesome, this is awesome, a million images. That makes me mad, retweet, retweet. I'm outraged, I'm outraged. Live in that noise, concentrate on money, sex, status, health, your own grievances, your own outrage, keep the radio on, live in a crowd. Just float along, man. Don't think. Use plenty of sedation. Don't dive into those spiritual questions. It's cocktail hour. If you must read books, select them very carefully, but you'd be safer to stick to the papers. You'll find the advertisements helpful, especially those with a sexy or snobbish appeal. This is how you avoid God. What's he saying? Get busy. Do what everyone does. And here the surprise, Mary stops her life, goes to the sign that God gives. And Jesus is not just a sign for Mary, it's a sign for the world. Claim this is true. Organize your life around this. This is news for your life. So, um, the first surprise is Mary's visit, motivated by faith. The second surprise is the Holy Spirit shows up. Now, and the Holy Spirit is going to do something kind of amazing here. Let me just pause for a second. We're in Zechariah's house. Who's not recorded as saying anything? Zechariah. <laughs> we don't know if he's there. He's just like, cool. Uh, his speech was limited because of his unbelief. He responded with cynicism and unbelief to the angel. And the angel said, so that you may know. He receives a sign too. He can't talk. His speech isn't limited. Is, is limited. He doesn't say anything in this encounter. But Elizabeth does. But the, the real surprise the second surprise is the unexpected visit of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaims loudly, blessed are you. She supernaturally knows things about Mary, about Mary's baby. Blessed are you, blessed are you among women. That is how you will be known in history. And she's blessed because she believed her faith becomes an instrument of blessing upon her. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus bigger. This could have been a quiet conversation between two women. And the Holy Spirit shows up and makes this bigger, makes Jesus bigger. Elizabeth knows Okay, it, doesn't it seem, we're, we're supposed to think, okay, Mary is pregnant now. The Holy Spirit knows that and reveals that. Now, some of you are probably asking, okay, what does that mean does the Holy, that the Holy Spirit shows up? What is going on there? There's different kinds of scripture, okay? There's histories. There's the kind of scripture uh, where Luke, his, his method, he says he's investigated these things. He's talked to eyewitnesses, and he writes an orderly account. He's a researcher. He's like, I carefully followed these things, and I wrote an orderly account. And you can tell he's organized some things thematically uh, about Jesus' life. There's other kinds of scripture, which is prophetically meaning a person is carried along by the Holy Spirit, and they're using words, you know, normal human words, but what they know 
all of a sudden know and what they all of a sudden want to say is from God. That's this kind of speech. It's prophetic speech. Okay, Peter claimed to be an eyewitness. In 2 Peter, he writes, this is the apostle Peter, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. It's like, man, this, this wasn't the myth. I saw it. Uh, John, the apostle John is another, and by, these, by the way, these guys like, uh, all the apostles, John probably died in old age, all the rest of them were killed. It's not like they're living large on TV, starting something that has fabulously blessed them in a worldly sense. They died for this. Uh, but John also says, that which my hands have touched, with my, what I've seen with my eyes, what I've heard with my ears, and he uses ancient courtroom language to testify to the truth of Jesus. So there's that kind of eyewitness testimony in the Bible. There's also prophetic speech like this. And Elizabeth is speaking like a prophet, okay? Peter writes this, okay? This is 2 Peter 1. I think we're gonna have, here we go. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. The prophetic word, like what Pete read. Pete read a verse from Isaiah 49, and people puzzled over this for uh, hundreds of years. It's indisputable that this came hundreds of years before Jesus. There's manuscripts that show it that's that old. That there's going to be one from the womb who will bring Israel back, but also bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth. There's a prophecy. One, a servant of God from the womb whom God delights in, and it's going to be not just renewal for Israel and not just bring this revival back to the, uh, to the people of Israel, but will somehow bring God's good news to the ends of the world, a light for the world. And we celebrate that guy's birthday. And it's kind of cool that the whole world stops and says, I love you to the people they love and buys each other presents on this guy's birthday. Isn't that kind of cool? It changed the world. So there's that kind of speech, the prophetic word confirmed. And listen to what he says. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture came from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as if they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. People speaking from God as they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening here. That's why, uh, look, uh, Mary didn't send Elizabeth a letter, uh, an email. She just shows up, and Elizabeth knows this. Luke's probably interviewed them both. He certainly, he seems to be the gospel writer that spent a lot of time with Mary because there's in Luke things like, and then Mary pondered this in her heart. It's the only gospel writer who says that. He talked to her. So Elizabeth, she knows these things, that how would she know? And she takes it, the baby kicks as soon as she hears Mary's voice, and she takes it, hey, John, who's supposed to be a forerunner of Jesus, and John's, her baby, the baby in her belly, 
his whole ministry will be like to prepare the world for the one who comes after him, that is Jesus. And when that baby kicks, she takes it as he's doing his job now. He's excited now, even now. And this was spoken to her, uh, to her by the angel. Hey, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. He's gonna, there's not going to be a prophet like him in history. And his whole job is to point the world to Jesus. He's even doing that now. And there's a reversal in what normally would happen. Normally, Elizabeth would be the person of honor. She's the wife of a priest. She's older. This is a society you revere, you revere your older relatives and marry the poor peasant girl. She's like, I'm honored that you are here. And you're the mother of my Lord. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus bigger. And there's one more surprise. And I don't think Mary knew this was going to happen. But Mary has a song. And this is a famous song. It's called the Magnificat. It's the first word in Latin. Because it means magnify in Latin. Mary speaks. Mary also guided by the Holy Spirit, speaks, listen to the song of Mary, starting in verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and he has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has done, he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And then and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Okay, go back to the beginning of Mary's song. And just know this about Mary's, it's called Mary's song. Uh, the first word is magnify in Latin. What do you do when you magnify? You make it bigger. And she makes the bigness of God. And uh, she makes big the Savior is what she's making big. And this connects to a past and it connects to a future. Okay, Mary's song connects to, his, to a history. There's a history of women prophesying thanksgiving and victory. Miriam, uh, the wife of Aaron, the first high priest, she's a prophetess. Okay, this is in the time of Moses. God saved his people. They were going to be crushed. They had enemies that they couldn't deal with. God completely saves them. And Mary grabs her tambourine, BYOT, bring your own tambourine. Mary, Miriam, who is, it's the Hebrew version of Mary. This is who Mary is named after. Miriam. You can hear it's similar. Mary in Greek, Miriam in Hebrew. Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron took a tambourine in her hand. All the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing, and she sang, sing to the Lord for his triumph, triumph gloriously. And there's a chapter of it. She sings and sings and sings about the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. God has saved us. There's a history. Miriam, Deborah, Hannah. 
Hannah, who didn't have a baby, who was barren, goes in the temple, and there's a word from the Lord, you will have a child. And that becomes the prophet Samuel. Hannah has a song. So there's a history, okay, behind what Mary is doing that she has been swept up into and what she's a part of. And there's also a future. Do you notice you, you might have read it and be like, hey, how does this make sense? God satisfied the hungry. He's brought down the powerful who are opposed to God. He's lifted up the humble. Has he done all those things already? I mean, we have two miracle births, and we have some celebration in a private home, but this isn't exactly front-page news yet, right? This is a secret to the world. What's going on? Mary is speaking as a prophet from the future, this is the time of year you get postcards from friends and family. You get the updates. You know, junior, got through eighth grade, cool. You get the, the view, the report from the past, the Christmas card of this past year. This is a Christmas card from the future. This is news from the future. God, she's speaking from the future, from the vantage point. God has done these things. He will do these things. This is what this means for the world. So, and she rejoices. How do we get this joy? What does this mean for us? How do we get in? How do we get this in our hearts, in our lives? Let's start to answer that question, okay? Where this joy is and how we get it. Look at Mary's song. Notice what is magnified and what is made small. What is magnified, think of magnifying glass. You make it bigger. She magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She makes big Jesus, all the blessing and the victory and the power. It's all his. Uh, Pete had to sing, all glory be to Christ. All glory be to Christ, all powers from him. And actually, what's made small? All human effort and merit all the stuff that we think is cool and that we really think makes a person is, you know, what they are, well, it's opposite day. That doesn't matter to God in the same way. Actually, he values humility. And the world says, actually, we don't value humility. We actually value people who have more followers on Twitter than the humble. They're, they're the ones we listen to. God says, actually, I hear them. I hear their prayer. I save them. Power, riches, wealth, worldly might. God says, I don't care about that. Humility, reverence for God. The world says, I don't care about that. But God says, I do. God switches the price tags on everything. And he actually has the power to do something about it. Mary makes big God and Jesus and this, guys, this happens elsewhere in the Bible, okay? This is not just like a Christmas thing. At Christmas, we should make Jesus big. And normally, you know, it's, it's okay not to make a big deal about Jesus. The Apostle Paul says that, hey, we Christians, we glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. This is Philippians 3. And this is what confidence in the flesh is. A confidence in the flesh, it's all the reasons for confidence. Think of your self-image, your self-conception. And he talks about pedigree, 
And he's like, actually, I have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. If we were going to play that game, he's like, I could play it. I was born a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's like, I can scratch all those cards. You know, I can check that off. And actually, spiritual accomplishments, he's like, I memorized the Bible. He's a Pharisee. He's like, I had zeal, but actually, whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Jesus. Compared to Jesus, all that's nothing, and he actually uh, uses the word rubbish. I count everything as loss because of their surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Christ is big. Everything, all our human effort and merit Compared to Jesus, that didn't count for anything. Uh, there are places in Bucks County where it can matter how long you've lived there. Uh, I met someone in a certain region. In some places it doesn't matter in Bucks County. Some places it does. I met someone uh, recently from an area of Bucks County. He's like, I'm the new guy who moved here 11 years ago. <laughs> Compared to the families here. you know, this, That's not altogether alien? Are you from the right family? Have you gone to the right places? Do you have the right kind of job, the right kind of college, the right kind of house? Have you shown yourself to be a person of, of worth and impressiveness? What's made big here is Jesus. My soul magnifies the Lord. And God's going to switch the price tags on everything else. Now, Here's what's hard about these Christmas passages. You've heard about these. Maybe you've heard this exact passage, or have you heard about this? You know, Jesus came. Supposedly, Jesus did some stuff. And it's easy to be moved by uh, this emotionally impactful story and then say something like this. You know, often a person will say, you might be saying, hey, these actual teachings... The doctrine doesn't matter. I'm moved by the story of Jesus. I mean, this is cool what's happening to Mary and Elizabeth, but look, it doesn't really matter what you believe at the end of the day. Being a good person matters. Ever thought, heard of that saying? It doesn't matter what people believe at the end of the day. There's different paths. People have different paths. But being a good person matters. Um, And who would have such a problem with a nice story? As a matter of fact, I think spiritual things are very important. I'm a very spiritual person. Okay, a couple thoughts. The thought, it doesn't matter what you believe. A doctrine doesn't matter. Just being a good person matters. That's a doctrine. And it's being played as the wild card draw four in that deck and game. Hey, all the religions and sects have their different beliefs. Actually, let me play this card. Those beliefs don't matter. Being a good person matters. It's a doctrine. It's an explicit doctrine. And it's a doctrine that says, look, you can be your own savior by being a good person. Uh, To say, hey, hey, at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter what you believe. Just be a good person. It's actually teaching salvation by works saying you save yourself by being a good person, and it also has hidden in it, you can pull that off. You can be good enough. And actually, do you see what that does? That actually makes Jesus small and you big. 
It makes Jesus small and people big. You know, you actually don't need Jesus a lot, and people can believe whatever they want about Jesus, but you just be a good person, and look, you did it. And um, there's a couple things that will happen. If you think you're pulling it off, you'll be tempted. There'll be a gravitational pull. If you think you're being a good person, there'll be a gravitational pull to look down at people that you think are not pulling it off. You'll be tempted to look down on people, which is a problem, and is actually not being a good person. The other thing that'll tend to happen is when reality breaks through, and you're like everybody else, you have sin, and you haven't loved God, you haven't loved people like they deserve to be loved, you feel crushed, because you need to be a good person, and you should be, and yet you can't be. Someone will say, hey, all religions have their different paths. My ways, being a good person, is, is enough. Christianity says, hey, this is true. That's not going to work for you. You need a savior. Christianity says things like Isaiah 53. See if you relate to this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Man, we've all done really dumb, sinful, selfish, wicked, hateful bitter, lustful, greedy things. We've all gone astray. Uh, God didn't send Jesus, Jesus as a bonus vitamin, but to be your savior and to say, hey, actually the teachings don't matter, just be a good person. It's saying that you don't need Jesus. That's making Jesus small and you big, as if you could do that. And Jesus says instead really obnoxious things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. Jesus says stuff like that. Jesus acts like he's a savior that the world needs, that you need. The path to joy it's to see the bigness of Jesus, and you actually need him to be big. You need him to be Savior, and I do too. Uh, Christianity is not a self-help religion. It's a Jesus-help religion. And look, Mary doesn't magnify the power of faith. This isn't... Um, Americans think about faith as if it's like a mystic superpower that we can access, and it's the power of faith in the power of prayer, and that's where the power is. She doesn't think about the power of prayer, the power of faith. She rejoices in making Jesus big, magnifying the Lord and rejoicing in God our Savior. And you need to believe that for you. You can't just believe that's out there. You actually need to be, believe that, like, you, you can believe in medicine and not take it. You can believe in the power of medicine and maybe even believe that you need it but not take it. So you need to take it. She says, my soul rejoices. My soul magnifies the Lord. She is rejoicing in God, my Savior. Let's imitate that faith. Christmas is a time to rejoice in Jesus. Let him be bigger. Uh, so I just want to end with this. Okay, as Jesus gets bigger, so will your joy. And the reflection question is, where are your eyes directed? 
What's taking the emotional energy? If you, I mean, we need to like do our jobs, show up, pay our bills, you know, do the things we need to do. But if you track that as like a series of computer screens, would the computer screen be, uh, here's the money I'm worried about and the things that people think about me and what I'm worried about, and over here minimized is who Jesus is and what he's done, who he is for the world and for his people and for me. And being a Christian is fighting to maximize that window. (laughs) What window are you maximizing? And actually spending time with God daily in his word and prayer, it's like, man, I want to maximize the window of who Jesus is, his reality. You know, Jesus says stuff like, um, hey, it's the end of the year. A lot of people are worried about money. You know, I get it, man. I'm like, doing time to do end of the year bills, not fun. Jesus says that our Father in heaven knows how many hairs are on our head. Actually, nothing can happen to us but what he wills. He provides for us. Actually, nothing exists in all the world that can separate us from the love of God. Can we maximize that window? And then the, and maximize like what Jesus has done for us and bringing forgiveness. Hey, we've all like sheep gone astray. Guess what? Uh, Jesus died for our sins. There really is forgiveness. God has minimized those. He's put them in the trash. They're gone. They're deleted forever. You ever get that on your phone? If you press this button, these will no longer exist. These will be permanently deleted. God has permanently deleted our sins. Uh, How big is Jesus? What are the windows you're looking at? Where are your eyes directed? Think of all the stuff that C.S. Lewis said about distraction, you know, and fight to look at Jesus. Jesus has to get big for us to grow in the Christian life. Uh, There's this prayer in the New Testament for a group of Christians, and this is, this is actually, this could be a prayer for those of us here who don't yet believe and a prayer for those of us who have been Christians for a long time. Um, he says, hey, I don't stop praying for you, church. I don't stop praying for you. I'm praying that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. He's like, I'm praying that your eyes would light up and God will give you the Holy Spirit, of wisdom and revelation, And he says, so you'll know the hope that you have in Jesus, the riches that you have in Jesus, and the power that you have in Jesus. It's in Ephesians 1. You can go look it up. I'm just going to pray that you would have your eyes open, that Jesus would be large to you. You'd know the hope uh, you have, the riches that you have, the power that's at work. May we see that. May Jesus be big to us, May he grow bigger, and may we know his joy. Uh, May we rejoice in him as our Savior. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we just admit we can't do this on our own. We can't snap our fingers and be insightful. As you sent the Holy Spirit, would you help us to see Jesus? As you sent the Holy Spirit to Elizabeth and Mary, would you help us see the bigness of Jesus? Help us to fight living in the crowd and living in the noise and living focused on the wrong windows that take us 
all our spiritual reality. And we, we pray that we would recognize the hard medicine. We can't save ourselves, but also uh, receive and believe and rejoice in and rest in and celebrate uh, the fact that in Christ uh, we're more beloved and uh, comforted than we can even get our minds around, than we can even imagine. Lord, take us deeper in these things. Be with this church, we ask, this Christmas season. We pray that Jesus would be big to us. We pray that Jesus would be lifted up in our region. And we pray you'd receive our praise right now. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or in person on Sundays at 9 and 1045 a.m. Hope to see you there.